Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm speaking with Allie Green, social entrepreneur, Harvard Business School alum, and CEO and co-founder of the number one fastest growing independent Australian book publisher, Pantera Press. Allie is 2019 Sydney Young Entrepreneur of the Year and was named one of Australia's 100 Most Influential Women. Allie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our topic today, Working from Home, the 10 Rules for Success. Yes, it just became a lot more relevant. Yes, exactly. I think we can all agree that never before has this topic been more relevant. With millions now working from home, many people find themselves working from their kitchen table and trying to create boundaries between professional and personal lives. Ali, having seen you present this topic, I think these rules are so helpful for creating a happy and healthy homework environment. Tell me a little bit about your personal experience and how and why you developed these rules. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's so appropriate that you mentioned that many people around the world are now working from their kitchen tables, because that's really how my my career journey began. In 2008, about 12 years ago, I co-founded Pantera Press, which as you said, is an Australian book publishing company. And we are a family run business. And over the last uh, several years have had great success and rapid growth. That is a very different picture from how, how we were when we first started. So, you know, when we first opened our doors and founded Pantera Press in 2008 as a family-run business, I moved back home with my parents and our kitchen table, the family kitchen table, was our office for several years. So I really do have first-hand experience working and living in the same space. And even after that, when we started to grow, we did get a small office space. But for the next few years, I would still find myself in that office space for sometimes days at a time without seeing someone else in person. You know, it really wasn't until 2015 that our team and our business started to really ramp up and we moved into a much, much, much larger office space that we still occupy to this day. So, you know, long story short, I really do have first-hand experience working from a kitchen table, working in a really high-stress situation. You know, at that point in time, we were going through a different crisis. We were going through the global financial crisis. And I would argue that starting a business in general is also just very stressful. You know, at the time, we were working easily 100 hours a week. So I certainly made lots of mistakes along the way and do have that firsthand experience working alone and working from home. Yeah, I, I think so many people out there think, you know, working from home is so awesome and, and would like love the idea of doing it, but it, it is much harder than most people think it's going to be. Um, Absolutely. So with that background, let's just jump right in with rule number one. So rule number one is decide your office hours in advance and stick to them. So kind of walk me through what that means and and how people can get that done. 
Yeah, and look, it sounds really straightforward when you just say it like that, but it's actually much easier to do with theory than it is to implement in practice. And, you know, for me, I think it's just really, well, I found anyway when I was working from home that it was really easy to just fall into some kind of pattern that would really prohibit productive working throughout the day. So, for example, I might get out of bed, jump on emails just really quickly and then look up and all of a sudden it was the afternoon and I hadn't even showered or eaten at that point. But then on the flip side, you know, I would have other days where I might stay in bed, watch a few videos on Netflix or YouTube or Instagram and all of a sudden it's late in the day and I haven't done any work either. So that, you know, it it can kind of work against you in a number of different ways and in either scenario I think you know you can kind of do that for a few days but beyond that you know working non-stop and beyond a regular workload is completely a recipe for burnout Um, and on the flip side not doing the work that you need to be doing is a not great for business but be really demotivating and so it's really important to be conscious of these things and the other thing that I would argue is that you know in an office space you normally have people around you so you have people that give you energy but you also have people that offer you social cues that you don't have at home so in an office space uh, you might see your colleagues getting up to go and have lunch and that sort of reminds you that it's time to take a break you have a set start time where you're very accountable for being there because other people will notice if you're not there so you you know you're generally prompt or close to being prompt when you turn up to work and you also see your colleagues leaving for the day so that reminds you when you're deep in something that it's also time for you to do the same. So setting a routine is really important, but the first part of that is just making sure that you actually have set yourself some work hours and you're not just floating through the day. So my suggestion is, you know, obviously some people will already have set work hours by their businesses and that's great, but if there's a bit of flexibility, my suggestion is first and foremost allocate some hours for yourself. So for example, my business hours that I set for myself at 8am to 6pm, Monday through to Friday. And then, you know, on top of that, it's really important that you then communicate those hours to the relevant people. So those relevant people could be your supervisor, your colleagues, your clients, or even the people you live with in your house. So that everyone understands who is working and when. And it's especially important if your colleagues are on different time zones or are just likely to have different business hours to you in general. Yeah. And I would also suggest that, you know, just a really easy step to implement to kind of keep you on track is just to set a reoccurring alarm on your phone for your start time and your end time and then make sure that you start and finish work within five minutes of that alarm going off. It's, you know, another quick tip is to make sure that that alarm that you set for each day is a different alarm to the alarm that wakes you up in the morning because you want some kind of alarm tone that's not going to startle you or make you tense up but just something that is a gentle reminder that it's now time to start work or it's now time to start wrapping up work and so you know for me those are very important things that you know you need to be really diligent about to make sure that you aren't running over this time on a consistent 
basis. And, you know, for many people then ask, well, what if something urgent comes up outside of office hours? And my suggestion here would be, well, you know, if you were working at the office and this was business as usual, if this task came up, would you do it from home or would you stay back at the office late or would you still wait until tomorrow to address it? And that should really be your guide in terms of what you should do in this scenario. Just because you're working from home, you really shouldn't be changing that, you know, that work home balance. Yeah. And so easy when you're working from home to just let work bleed into every hour of your day. And like you said, that's just a recipe for getting burnt out. Um, Exactly. And that, I mean, that actually links in so perfectly to my second rule, which is about separating work from sanctuary. Yes. Um, So important. So important. And of course, my first rule really ties into that because setting your work hours is kind of the first step to putting those boundaries up between work and home. But, you know, I mean, the key thing is, as you just said, when you're working from home, it is just so easy for your work to spill into your downtime. And an example of that, a really simple example, is that when I was working from my parents' house on our kitchen table all those years ago, I found that whenever I sat at that table, even outside of work hours, whether it was for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or just, you know, a family conversation, I would always find myself getting ideas for work or thinking about work or trying to bring up work and talk about work. And, you know, that actually felt productive and great for a very short period of time, probably a few weeks. But after a while, I realized that it meant that I was always switched on and I was always tense. And this started to have a really detrimental effect on my home life, but also on my work performance because it was just blurring so much together and I found that it's really hard to to compartmentalize work when you live and work in the same space. So it's just so important that we have to be really diligent about separating the two. Right. And as you said, that leads you um, into rule number two, which is separate work from sanctuary. So you mentioned a few things about that, but can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I definitely have some suggestions around how to help keep those quite separate when they are all happening in the one space. You know, my first piece of advice is avoid working from your bed at all costs. You should never sit on your bed or lie on your bed with your laptop or your iPhone or or whatever device you have and do work. Never. That's a big no-no. And I, you know, and, and in part, well, the main reason is that your bed needs to remain a safe sanctuary for stress-free sleep. And so you just cannot cross-pollinate that area at all. Ideally, you would also not work from your bedroom, but I appreciate that, you know, these are not ideal circumstances. And for some people, they won't have a choice, particularly if they're living in a shared house, for example, their bedroom might be the only place for quiet, mm-hmm. uh, things to do but if you have any opportunity to work elsewhere please take that you know if your house allows for it it's great to set up a room that you can call your workspace or if not a corner of a room and so if that has to be your bedroom so be it Uh, but again never ever from your bed and if you know if your house doesn't allow for 
setting up a permanent kind of workspace area, even if it's just a small table with your computer, then it's really important that you deconstruct your work area every night. So, for example, if we went back to my situation of working from the kitchen table back in the day, as soon as the work day ends, you have to pack everything away. It's not just about closing your laptop and leaving it on that table. You have to close your laptop and take it off the table, ideally putting it somewhere that's completely out of sight. So it might be packing everything down into a you know, a briefcase or a bag or into a shelf or a storage box so that it's totally, it is not occupying your home space outside of work hours. And then, you know, I would actually love to share another tip in this space, which has been a total game changer for me. Honestly, it sounds so silly, but it has changed my life. And this is turning off email notifications outside of business hours. And, you know, what I found as just an entrepreneur running a business that was having rapid growth and dealing with colleagues who worked on different time zones or just different business hours, I found that whenever I was at home, I would always receive emails or messages or calls well outside of my office hours. And I I soon began to realise that whenever I felt my phone buzz, I would, my entire body would just tense up and I would start to feel really anxious. And even if I said to myself, look, you know, it's out of work hours, you don't need to check what's going on, you can have a look in the morning, I would still sit there with this, you know, anxious feeling, knowing that there was something sitting there that I'd have to deal with tomorrow. And it was a bit of a a Schrodinger's cat kind of scenario where at that point you know there's something there but you don't know if it's good and you don't know if it's bad. (laughs) And that really wore me down over time. And that's, you know, this is a, a new experience for me. That's not something that happened these 12 years ago when we started. This is something that I experienced up until probably the beginning of last year. And so on the suggestion of someone, I actually turned off all of my email notifications on my phone device permanently. And for me, it was not just outside of office hours, but it's all the time. So the only time that I now get email notifications is if I'm sitting at my work computer or if I'm on my phone and I've actively opened up my inbox and are loading them in. And that has just made the world of difference to me. And in, you know, in the first couple of weeks, I was worried that I was going to be missing something really important. What I came to realize is that that pressure to reply instantly and to deal with things as they come up is really something that we put on ourselves. You know, it is very rare in any circumstance that you have to reply to something within 30 seconds. One business day is not going to make a difference. And if there's something urgent, people will find a way of getting hold of you outside of email. So for me, this was just a total game changer, turning off my email notifications completely. But I obviously appreciate that some people, you know, that just isn't practical for their team. But I would certainly suggest at least turning them off outside of business hours, even if that's something you have to do manually, you know, by logging in, changing the settings each day, I would factor that into my plan. And I think a lot of us sleep with our cell phones next to the bed. Um, So personally, I I, I found myself, before I turned them off at night at least, waking up in the middle of the night to email notifications and then, you know, like you said, wondering what was waiting for me and, and losing sleep over it. 
Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, I realized that I do wake up in the night and look at my phone even just to check the time. And so that was another aha moment for me where I realized that if I wake up, check my phone and see the notifications coming through, then I start to have those feelings all over again. Whereas if the notifications aren't coming through, I can check my phone for the time and it's fine. But alternatively, just having a lit up alarm clock, you know, next to your bed so that you can see what the time is and how long it is before you have to wake up without looking at your phone at all. You know, that's kind of a nice way to avoid it too. Yeah. And you also have a step to take advantage of the perks. Um, Yes. Yeah, I I think that's so important. It is so important. You know, I think we keep thinking about, oh, particularly at this given moment in time where most of us are socially isolating, that working from home is really challenging. But actually there are all these fantastic perks about working from home and why not take advantage? You know, for example, I think there's lots of life admin that you can do while you're at home that won't interrupt your workflow for the day, but that means you can be sort of really so much more efficient, whether it's, you know, putting on a load of laundry and then hanging it out to dry partway through the day or whether it's doing the baking that you normally don't have time to do so you can slow cook things during the day and so on and so forth. And so it's really thinking about all those little things that in the past maybe you've thought, oh, you know, this is stuff I do on the weekends because I never have the opportunity to do it during the week because my work hours are long or because my commute time to the office takes up a really big chunk of my morning. This is the time to sort of think about all those little things and think, well, you know, how could I incorporate those into the day uh, in a way that wouldn't be intrusive to what I'm doing, but means that I can free up my free time to actually do some, you know, the more enjoyable things. Yep. I think that's great advice. Um, And I think some people have no problem taking advantage of the perks, but there are some people out there that that feel guilty uh, about, you know, taking time out of their workday. And uh, I think it's, it's good for them to know that it's okay to do that. It's definitely okay. And, you know, this, this does relate to one of my later rules, but I would just say that when you think about your workday in an office, you never sit down and work uninterrupted for eight to 10 hours ever. You know, when you're at the office, you take time to get into the office. You'll say your pleasantries to people when you walk in. You might have a cup of coffee, check some emails, have some meetings, bump into one of your colleagues and have a short conversation about what you did on the weekend. You know, you'll have numerous bathroom breaks, you'll have numerous, you know, food breaks ideally. And so there are all these moments in the day that break up what it is that you're doing. But because you're in an office at work, it still feels like you've been working all day. But that is not an uninterrupted, continuous workflow. There's lots of little breaks and those breaks are actually needed in order to spike your energy levels and in order to kind of give your brain a little bit of a reprieve. And so it's fine to be taking those breaks and you should be taking those breaks during the day. And if you can do something really productive, like you know, starting to cook your dinner earlier or preparing some of your meals for later in the week or doing your laundry or whatever it might be, then you are really productively using that time. I think, you know, go for it. Yep. Agree. Okay. Rule number three, use your commute time wisely. 
Yes. So this for me is really important. And it's about that time between when you wake up and when you start work. And I think we really underestimate in everyday life how important that period of time is to mindset, but also to our energy levels. You know, so when it's, for example, when it's business as usual and you work out of an office, you know, you might have some kind of morning routine that involves going to the gym or walking your pet. Maybe you meditate or do yoga. And then, of course, you know, you might shower, get dressed, have breakfast, have a conversation with people that you live with, if you live with anyone. And then, you know, on the actual commute to work itself, perhaps you listen to music or an interesting podcast or the news or whatever it might be. And this, you know, A, it's really important to have a routine, but B, this time, you know, spent doing all of these different activities is really important to energizing. So to really getting your energy levels up before you get into the office. And, you know, it is known that there are real benefits, physical and mental of having a routine. So when you work from home and there's no official commute in the morning to aid your energy levels or on the flip side to help you decompress on your return from work, you actually need to make a firm plan to do this because otherwise I find that my energy levels really wane throughout the day and, you know, typically for me, I'm most productive in the morning. But without this kind of set activities before I start, I find that my energy is much lower than it would normally be. And so it absolutely affects my work performance, particularly on an ongoing basis. And so, you know, I do have a few suggestions as to, you know, how you can really make the most of this time. One is you know, very simple, I think, which is actually just to get up at the same time every day during your work week. Yeah. Very important. Very important. And then the next is to still create that morning routine. And it's got to be a morning routine that suits you and obviously fits in particularly at this point in time with any kind of broader community rules around social distancing. But, you know, for me, we're still allowed to you know, go outside to exercise, for example. So my routine is to get up, walk the dog, come home, have a shower, get dressed, have breakfast. And then I normally listen to a podcast or the news before I even think about getting started for work. And that's just my plan, you know, and that works for me. And I'm not suggesting that that is the plan that everyone should incorporate. It's really important that people think about something that suits their own lifestyle and most importantly is something they can commit to on an ongoing basis and you know as part of that routine and it sounds so silly but getting dressed is just one of the most important things that you can do in the day yeah and I don't I don't think that sounds silly at all I'm sure there's a lot of people right now spending just days in their pajamas exactly and look you know, I am all for comfortable loungewear, track suits, pajamas, whatever it might be. And I'm actually fine with people working in pajamas during the day, as long as it is a fresh pair of pajamas that are their daytime pajamas. <laughs> you know, obviously, if you're if you're having a uh, a video conference call, different story. Dress appropriately. That obviously doesn't mean you need to be wearing a suit, but dress up but during the day it is okay to still be wearing very comfortable clothes but just that moment of 
getting dressed, putting on a fresh outfit and kind of feeling that energy of being a new person makes such a difference to, you know, mental wellness and also your energy levels. So regardless of what it is that you're wearing, a new outfit, a clean outfit, a fresh outfit makes such a difference. But I also do think that, you know, and even just in the last couple of weeks, I've had moments forgetting about this and I've worn something quite casual or I haven't bothered to, you know, do my hair or put on any kind of makeup. And then I've compared that to a day where maybe I have made a little bit more effort, you know, nothing dramatic, but, you know, might be doing my hair or putting on some lipstick or just wearing a slightly nicer, more casual outfit. And on those days I have found that I've always had much more energy than I have on the days where, you know, I, I either haven't, putting as much energy or I'm just a little bit more casual. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's important to look the part and, um, Mm. you know, even working from home to be somewhat professional. Exactly. I I love your daytime pajamas though. I think that's great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do have a few sets of uh, matching tracksuits now that I have daytime pajamas, but they're, you know, great color, very comfortable. And I, you know, I don't feel, um, I feel much better in them. It probably helps that track suits are now on trend. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And one of your steps is also to go outside, which, um, yeah, I think as long as we're able to do that, I I love that tip as well. I, I think sunshine impacts a lot of people's mental health. And um, I think that's a great tip. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, it's only social distancing permits. And for some people, it might not be truly possible. But, you know, spending any amount of time outside, if you can, really does make such a difference. And actually, one thing I should mention, which I only really touched on lightly, is that the end of your day is just as important as the beginning of your day. So that time that we normally take traveling home from work is actually a time that we subconsciously use to decompress from the day. And that really helps separate a work and home life. But obviously when you're working from the same room that then you're about to start relaxing in, that's much harder to do. So it's really important to create some kind of moment or activity that signals to your body and your mind that work is just finished for the day. And, you know, what you do is really up to you. But my suggestion is that before you, you know, sit on the couch or your bed to watch TV, that you really need some kind of signaling event that says work is over, this is now relaxed time. And for me, you know, that has been something as simple as listening to some music or a short podcast or just playing with my puppy Winston or even reading from a book, even just a short extract, just some little event that tells you work is over and now easing myself into relax time. Yep. That's great advice. Okay. Rule number four for you is to plan out the day. Yes. And I mean, this sort of fits in very nicely with what we've already been talking about in terms of the importance of routine and it's something, you know, that really does sound quite intuitive, but you know, sometimes it's those things that make the most common sense that you just don't think about. And I have found that having a written plan for how you're actually going to attack the day makes such a difference. It has helped me refocus and also makes sure, helps me make sure that I get the tasks done that I need to, not just 
the easy ones. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be an arduous task. And in fact, I suggest that it's something you think about at the end of every work day, start writing down at the end of each day, what are your priority items for the next day? That means that when you wake up fresh, you know exactly what it is that you're at least going to get started on for the day. And I would also suggest that, you know, or remind people, I guess, that everyone has different peak energy levels at different times during the day. And so it's important for each individual person to identify when they normally have the most energy, because that's normally when you have the most brain capacity as well. So as I said before, for me, I have my most amount of energy in the morning. And so I always try to plan to do any of my tasks for the day that require deeper thinking during that period of time. You know, it's very easy just to jump on email and get lost on email, but actually that is not a solid use of time during that peak energy window. And so what I do instead is that I allocate several email or admin windows of times throughout the day. So I'm not constantly getting distracted from these deeper thinking tasks or from meetings by responding to emails as and when they pop up. So for example, you know, I might just check my emails at 10 a.m., 3 p.m., 5.30 p.m., whatever the time periods are you know, it means that you're not missing anything. You're present at the start and end of every day and you can action something if it urgently comes up, but it really provides you the space to spend the time to think about, you know, the important things that you really do need to be focusing on. And I guess, you know, on that note, I would also suggest trying to schedule any meetings. So whether it's a phone meeting or a video conference or, you know, if we're back in the real world, um, in-person meetings to schedule any meetings that require brainstorming or deeper thinking also for when you have that peak energy period and then to schedule all of your other in-person meetings. And obviously when I say in person at this point, that's still on the phone and video conferencing, but to schedule all of those other meetings with people at points in the day where your energy would otherwise typically start to fade And that's simply because when we have face-to-face meetings with people, it provides us with a spike of adrenaline. Um, And so we get this additional energy and that can actually be a really useful tool to prevent your energy levels dropping too much and to help you be productive because at those times when your energy is dropping, if you're doing sort of more isolated or insular tasks, it can just be that much harder to be productive or get anything done. And then I guess, you know, another really important part of making a plan is that you have to plan for breaks. And I will talk about the importance of breaks a little bit later on. But at this point, what I will say is that it's really important that the, you know, that you do take breaks during the day and that you have factored these into your daily plan. So, you know, when you've written out your priorities the night before, you've mapped out the day, you've factored in when your upcoming meetings are, you've factored in the the key things that you need to do, you've maybe factored in some of the the nice to do things if you have time and you've also factored in food breaks as well as short other breaks. Yep, all great advice. Okay, rule number five, health and safety. Yeah, so I mean this is This is really two part when I think about safety. The first part is kind of more of that occupational health and safety 
piece, which, you know, is very much just about thinking about your workspace and making sure that you're doing everything you can for it to be as safe and productive as possible. So that is really easy things like making sure that the area in your house that you've set yourself self up in has good lighting so it might mean you know investing in a lamp if you don't have great overhead lighting and also that there are no loose cables around that you or someone else in your house could trip over and um, this is actually a, a Florence Nightingale tip that I learned when I was in the US last year and visited the I can't remember what it's called but where the Statue of Liberty is and they have that kind of quarantine area island that you can visit oh staten um, island staten island thank yeah. you that's terrible <laughs> i can't believe i forgot the name um, my brain is clearly not working yet but we we went there and we got to see the old hospital and the old quarantine center from you know many 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 years ago that's totally non-functional now but all of it was built on these learnings from Florence Nightingale around the importance of light and the importance of airflow and how that's critical to general well-being, including health and recovery. So, you know, it sounds so funny, but actually it makes perfect sense to incorporate these tips into when you're thinking about your workspace. So, for example, airflow being really important. Um, if you can open a window or a door near where you are to increase your airflow, then that's really beneficial. Similarly, if there's a spot in your house that might get a bit of sun, it's great to have some sunlight coming in to help you or, as we said before, trying to take regular breaks where you're ducking outside to get some sun. And then, you know, the other things in terms of occupational health and safety are really about your office setup. Clearly, these are not business as usual scenario so we can't expect everyone to have an ergonomic chair and an ergonomic desk at the right height but for the longer term when we're just thinking about working from home more generally these are certainly important things to consider you know it is really important to work at a desk a table can suffice at this time but you know you should never be working for long periods of time off the couch without you know a proper table for example and obviously you know, online, there are lots of resources. And I think each state in each country has their own kind of list of recommended occupational health and safety things to consider. So if you wanted to do a real deep dive, there are lots of resources out there on how you could set up your office space more efficiently in that way. But those for me are kind of the most important things to be thinking about first and foremost. And then, you know, the other part of safety is actually much more about safety online. And I think that this is really important to discuss right now because yeah. so many people are working from home. And what some people won't know is that, you know, when you're in a physical office space, accessing your work files on your work server from the office, you're doing all of that on a really secure network. Now that we're all at home, our home networks just by default are much less secure than our work ones. And now that's not something to panic about in terms of, you know, thinking that your, your home Wi-Fi is insecure in some way. But what it means is that we're open, we're more vulnerable, we're more open to vulnerabilities when it comes to people taking advantage 
of the fact that so many people around the world right now are accessing their work servers or files or whatever it might be from an unsecure network. And so it's not that it puts you at risk as such at home, but it really can put your organization at risk. And of course, there are lots of things that organizations can and are doing to put in place to protect this. But actually, there are some things that we as individuals should be thinking about particularly relating to work and in this scenario, but also more generally. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy just to get quite relaxed and forget, but actually it is so important and now more than ever that we each individually are alert and are more aware of some of the things that are going on. So, for example, well, first and foremost, actually, my number one tip is never, ever, 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 ever click a link. So if someone texts you a link or emails you a link, never, ever, ever click it unless you know exactly what it is and you're expecting it. Yeah. Um, so some of the biggest scams that are going around at the moment, uh, people when people receive either a text message or an email that looks like it's from an organisation that they already you know, have an account with or work with. So for example, it could be a message from your internet provider, your phone provider, your bank, or a subscription service like Netflix, where you're being contacted by either text message or email saying there's something wrong with your account or there's something wrong with your billing or it looks like you're not going to be able to renew unless you put in some new details and then has a link for you to click. Some of these emails might be legitimate, but that is the easiest way for someone to scam you. So it's so important that when you get an email like that, you think, well, this could be the real thing, but instead of clicking the link, going to the website of whoever it is, so your phone provider, your internet provider, whoever, and looking at your account details there to see if there's a problem or contacting their support team off their website. It's so important that you do that as opposed to ever clicking a link in any of the things that come through, particularly when their email's asking you to click a link to reinsert your payment details or your login details for an account that you do have. Uh, and And then the other one is that it's just becoming so much easier, you know, to mimic language and to mask where emails are coming from. So one example actually is that I think it was late last year, I received an email from our account man. No, sorry. Our account manager came to my office and put her head around the door and said, Oh, I think that we can do that, but we won't be able to do it in the same day. It'll happen tomorrow. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, I just thought it would be easier to come into your office to tell you instead of replying to your email. And I said, oh, I I still don't know what you're talking about. And I went over to her desk and she opened up this email and the email name said Alison Green, which Uh is my name. And the email was written in the kind of language I would normally use in an email to her. You know, it used the nickname I have for her. And it said, you know, attached is an invoice it's an overseas one, but it's actually quite important that we pay this one quite quickly. Is there any chance that we can pay this today? And so she put that at the top of her list and, you know, thankfully came in and said, oh, I don't think we'll be able to do it today, but we should be able to do it tomorrow. And she may have realised during the payment process that it 
you know, the invoice wasn't for something we would normally pay. But because I'm her supervisor, she may not have known. She may have just thought, well, it's from the boss and, and she knows what's what's what. So I'll just have it paid. And so when we opened up the email, you know, it took a little bit of digging, but you could see that even though it looked like, like the name said Alison.green at, you know, my email address. And so it looked like it was from me. But then when you actually, but when you looked closer, you realized that my name was the email address. And then the actual email address was something similar, yeah. but not my actual email address. So it's really easy for people to kind of, you know, take yeah. advantage and trick you. And they're and so, so sophisticated. I mean, so sophisticated. <laughs> And it's getting more and more sophisticated, right? Right. Uh, it's crazy. But so it is really important that, you know, when you get an email from someone in your organization or who's known to your organization and they've sent you a link or an attachment before you open it, because obviously you would assume that these ones are safer, before you open it, do check that their email address is correct, not just their name. You know, that's so important. But I really just can't stress enough that in your day-to-day life, you should never be thinking about clicking a link that is sent to you. You should always find an alternative. And of course, if in doubt and you're not entirely sure and something has come through on your work device, always safe to just take a screenshot of it and send it to your supervisor for advice before you do anything else. Yeah, such great advice. And unfortunately, there are people out there that are taking advantage of the world situation right now. And uh, yeah. So it's really are, sad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rule number six is to be social. Again, I think such an important rule when you're working from home and, and kind of stuck in your home. Exactly. And particularly when, you know, like at this point in time, we're not doing things really outside of work either. We're stuck at home during the day and at night. And this is kind of a funny rule because I think when people think about working from home, they don't necessarily appreciate that it's not just about accessing emails and files. It's much more about taking some kind of holistic approach to ensuring your overall well-being, so that you can thrive at work and outside of work. And so, you know, being social is actually critical to that piece. And when you're working remotely, it is so easy to go even a full 24 hours, particularly if you live by yourself, without speaking to another human in real life, aside from maybe, you know, via chat or email. And what we know is that social connection is really important for mental health and for well-being in general. So for me, a great solution really is video conferencing. You know, I think video conferencing is something that we should absolutely take advantage of. And, you know, I do have a few suggestions around video conferencing in general, which is that I think personally, I think it's really important that, you know, for the most part, participants have their cameras switched on and you know, why is this important? Well, body language is critical to effective communication. So particularly in our current times where we're talking about important issues and potentially moving at great speed, it's more important now than ever before that we minimise room for miscommunication. Video also keeps everyone accountable. So making sure that everyone who's on a call is paying attention and not multitasking during the call. And as we kind of touched on before, humans are hardwired to look for faces. So video helps find and keep our attention for longer and also helps to spike those energy levels. And so, you know, the trick really is 
finding the balance because it's important to make sure that you're not having so many video meetings in a day that you can't otherwise be productive. But in these times, particularly social distancing times where we're not leaving the house after work, I do recommend making sure that you have at least one, but ideally two video meetings each day to make sure you're connecting with the outside world. So that could be one work call and one social call. It could be two social calls. It could be two work calls. But this idea of making sure that you are connecting with people is just so incredibly important. And, you know, one way to kind of do this in an unintrusive way is with a daily stand-up meeting. So this is kind of an idea where, you know, you might get your team or a broader team together on just a short morning call each day where each person can kind of say hi and maybe talk about what it is that they plan to do that day. It helps helps make you a little bit accountable. It gives you that face time and it gives you that boost of energy from talking to people without being a constant interruption in your day. So that's kind of one suggestion as a as an easy piece. But again, especially if you live alone, and I can't stress this enough, it's so important that you have regular social activities planned. And so, you know, in times of social distancing, a video chat with a friend or some kind of, you know, activity that you can do online with friends is just really, really, really important. Yeah. And and I've actually seen here in the US um, people sitting in their cars in a parking lot, all kind of, you know, sitting in the back of their car with four or five of their friends at a safe distance <laughs> with a bottle of wine, just chatting. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, I love that. What a great idea. Yeah. Um, times are definitely different. Um, times are definitely different. <sighs> Okay. Rule number seven is not to be too available. Yes. Yeah, so this, you know, you might feel that this contradicts what I just said previously, but you know, it's really important to remember that, you know, in an office, you'll often see people close their office door or put on some headphones to really signal that they should not be disturbed and that they're focusing And the same really does go for remote working. You know, it's okay to have periods of time where you're focused on a task and you're unresponsive to anything else, particularly when you remember that if someone actively needs to get hold of you, they can find another way to get your attention, even just by calling you. So, you know, I just want to stress that for most people, and obviously there are exceptions to this, but for most people, you do not have to have your email inbox open and respond to everything as and when it comes in. In fact, it can be quite distracting and detrimental to work productivity to do it that way. So as I said earlier in one of my uh, rules about making a plan, I suggest allocating times in the day where you would check your emails and then be able to use your other time for meetings and deeper thinking without just feeling like you're on call the entire time. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think people need to know that it's okay to, you know, on their messengers to turn unavailable on or like you said, to shut down email while they're in a task that takes a lot of brain energy. Exactly. And look, if you're worried about the perception to other people it is, you know, I, I, everything always comes back to communication. Communication is key. So it does not hurt 
to tell your colleagues or your supervisor or whoever it might be, hey, just so you know, I've decided that I'm checking emails in these windows so that I can really focus on tasks at other times. So if you need me urgently, contact me by phone. Otherwise, I'll be getting back to you in these windows. And then people know that you're working. They don't think that you're, you know, sneaking off to watch TV and taking advantage of this work from home situation. They just understand how you've laid out your day. Yeah. And I think most people would appreciate that. Mm. Okay. Rule number eight, take regular breaks. Yes. So we already touched on this a little bit before, but it is just so important to take breaks and not just to take them, but to really schedule them in ahead of time and be actively thinking about them. So if you think about it, and we we did touch on this before, but when you're in the office, there are actually lots of natural breaks throughout your day, whether it's your lunch break, whether it's your commute time, whether it's bathroom breaks, phone calls, conversations with coworkers and so on and so forth. And, you know, in everyday life, there are these informal moments that just take you away from work and give your brain just that little bit of downtime. And these moments of downtime are actually vital to keeping up your energy levels throughout the day. And, you know, I think maybe we don't, as I said before, when we're in an office space, we just think about the fact that we're working and we don't register how many little tiny breaks we take throughout the workday because it all blends together. But we really do. So in terms of some suggestions here or some easy steps to follow, I suggest to everyone that you should be scheduling in a short break, and I mean a very short break, every hour. And so this really should just be one minute or two minutes. It does not have to be anything excessive. The idea is really just for you to take a moment, get up, have a stretch, and probably drink a glass of water or some water as well because it's, you know, very important to stay hydrated. The other tip is, you know, not to look at social media during the day. So whenever you do take a break, steer clear of the social media until you're on proper, you know, outside of work hours, relax time, because that is a recipe for sending you down an internet rabbit hole or actually just reducing your focus and your energy levels when you do return to work. And then, you know, the last piece I would sort of say on this is that, it's okay to feel a bit overwhelmed, particularly in these stressful times. So you might actually want to try some breathing exercises when you take these short breaks to kind of help you regroup and recenter. And there are lots and lots and lots of commonly used apps that you might want to consider to guide you through this. Two that come to mind that I know about are Headspace and another one is called Calm, but there's hundreds if not thousands of other ones that you could experiment with. And actually, you know, while we're talking about breaks, I've mentioned these short breaks, but it's obviously really important that you still take a proper lunch break and ideally a longer morning and afternoon break as well. So this could be time for a snack or a coffee or just something that is a bit more substantial than your one minute stretch, breathing and hydration. Yep. Excellent advice. Rule number nine, and this is something that I'm definitely guilty of not doing, but (laughs) it's taking sick leave. 
Yes. And look, I am guilty of this too. This, I mean, and this is why it's one of my rules, because I think it is just so important to remember that just because you're working from home doesn't mean you have to continue to power through when you're unwell. And particularly in stressful times like we're facing at the moment, the mental stress and so on and so forth can really show itself physically in your body you know, those elements are very closely connected. And so it would not be a surprise that, you know, people would be feeling sick or unwell or under the weather, particularly at this time, because it is just such a stressful world out there. And, you know, in my experience, when you're working from home, it's really easy to say, oh, you know, I don't feel well, but if I can work from home, it means I don't have to go into the office. I don't have to dress nicely. You know, I can just get a few things done. Maybe I can do it sitting on my couch or lying on my couch and, you know, relaxing so it won't be as arduous. But you're not doing anyone any favours by doing that. And actually, you are your most important resource and businesses are made up of people. So the people who work in a business are also the most important resources of the business. And so you need to make sure that you're healthy so that you can be your best. And, you know, that's being your best at work, but also being your best in your home life. So, you know, for me, I think the easiest thing to do is really just if you find yourself feeling a little bit unwell, think to yourself, if this was normal, a normal situation, and I was working in an office with co-workers, would I call in sick today? And if the answer is yes, then working remotely shouldn't change that at all. Sometimes we just need a day or a few days of rest and recovery, and it's just so important to listen to your body. Yeah, great advice. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't give them selves the grace to just let it be okay to take a day off when you're not feeling well. Yeah. And look, it does. I I totally appreciate that it feels weird, especially at this point in time where, you know, if you don't have children and you live by yourself or with a partner or just a friend on weekends, you're really not necessarily doing anything that's dramatically different from what you would do in the week because we're staying at home. So it can feel a bit weird to say, oh, you know, I'm taking this day off as sick leave, but, you know, how is that different from these other days? But it's important just to get past that mindset and push, push on because actually taking a sick day, whether you're in bed or whether you're just binging shows on Netflix, it's, it is really important to your physical and your mental health. Yeah. The rest is important. Yeah. Um, okay, last but not least, rule number 10, and I, I think we've touched on this a bit, but is to set alerts and reminders for meetings and breaks throughout the day. Exactly. And yes, we, we've, we've touched on this, but in an office environment, you would have social cues around you for meetings. So you'd see your colleagues get up to go to a meeting, or you might even have someone tap you on your shoulder to get you to come to a meeting. Or you might, as we discussed before, see someone getting up for lunch or someone leaving for the day. But working remotely doesn't really offer these social cues unless you have a daily stand-up meeting and maybe a, a video conference at the very end of the day with your team. But even then, that doesn't cover all of these different scenarios. So it's really important to keep track of, you know, your phone and video and in-person meetings, but also, as we've discussed 
previously to keep track of your breaks and your start and your finish times. So my suggestion is really quite simple. You know, at the end of each day, as we discussed before, make a list of your priorities for the next day and then review your calendar for the next day and just set alarms in your phone for all the scheduled activities you want to remember. And again, this is ideally a non-intrusive sounding alarm alert, but just something that signals your start time, your finish time, all of your various breaks, including those short one hour, one minute, two minute breaks, all of your meetings and so on and so forth. And once you have those reminders set in, then it's very easy to put together your daily plan for the next day. Obviously, you know, some people may not want to have a alarm filled with tones and that's fine. Another alternative is actually just to really separate it all out and put everything into your calendar on your computer. The only, you know, hesitation I personally have with that is that it only works well if you're at your computer the entire time or on your phone the entire time. And that just may not be a reality based on your role and what you're doing. So I find that the alarms that you can kind of hear from other rooms in the house are a much better approach. Yep. All excellent advice. And I know we've covered off a lot in in the last hour, but do you have any tips for managing people and teams remotely? I know it's easy to lose sight of what everybody is doing or to wonder what people are doing when you're not working alongside of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, A, communication is key and is always key. So, you know, just because you're not in the office with someone doesn't mean that you shouldn't have daily or weekly touch points with them, whatever sort of your norm might be. Video conferencing, I just think, is a tool that has made all of this so much easier. For me personally, you know, I have a, a meeting each day, oh, sorry, each week with all of the all of my direct reports. So it might just be a 15-minute meeting or it could be a one-hour meeting depending what's happening via video conferencing. And I think that that, you know, setting that routine is really important but also recognising that it might have to happen more frequently than it would otherwise in the office because, you know, if you regularly have a meeting with someone that you manage, chances are you'll also have a lot of informal conversations during the day-to-day in the office, which you just don't have when you're working from home. So thinking about that is important, but then also thinking about more regular, broader meetings. So for example, we now have two meetings each week, which are our entire head office meetings. One of them is sort of more official to talk about key business developments and then the other one is more casual on a Friday just to really chat and catch up and and get a sense of what we normally would if we were all in the office together. So I think those pieces are key but also being really conscious of how you communicate and different types of communication. So for example, you know, email is great, continue using it as normal. Video conferences are great with cameras on to replace in-person meetings. But then it's great to have somewhere where you can also have informal, faster chat. So, you know, it might be on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or Microsoft Teams has a chat function, as does Zoom and Skype for Business. So having, you know, some groups or some chat windows set up so that you can have these more informal conversations that would probably happen in person 
very quickly in an office normally is a great way to make sure that you're still in touch with your team, understanding what people are working on and can be very responsive if there are any roadblocks or things that are, you know, making it harder for people to do what they need to do. But I would also stress when it comes to managing people, one of the key things for me is actually just being kind and understanding and really recognising that at this point in time, life is very difficult for lots and lots of people and the world is very stressful. And so, you know, recognising that we're all doing the best that we can, um, but it is not business as usual and that, you know, we need to be tolerant and supportive of everyone. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. Thank you, Ali, uh, for your time today and for these wonderful tips to make all of our lives a little easier while working from home. I wish you and all of our listeners a wonderful week ahead. And until next time, take care and be safe. Thank you so much for having me. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personive.com. Thanks for listening.